Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Hello, hello, hello. It is Justin and Ailish of the Fan Morning Show. It was a big day yesterday. It was a bit of a big day. Good day to get on the golf course and not just stare at my phone. Yeah. I think it was, you know, it's not, it was obviously a day where we had some news, we mm-hmm. had some reaction, and it was good to detach yourself from that, at least from my perspective. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I was out there and played one of my best rounds of the summer, so I definitely would agree that it was a good day to get out and golf. I got to say, like, you just you just decided, okay, I'm going to do this this summer and... Golf more? You're, like, really good and the space of 10 rounds it was fun it's just you play more and you get better um that, but, that doesn't happen for me uh, new clubs help well it's not that i act well new not clubs really playing more i feel like i'm worse every year oh god justin so it happens when you hit x age eh? <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. all goes down and then i played hockey last night and oh boy you're struggling their body is oh, falling boy. apart today uh, but yes, yesterday was a big day for us, for our station, um, and we announced this at the very end of our show. So if you're a morning listener and you didn't get all the way to the 8.50 a.m. block or you missed the podcast, um, our news is really exciting. Justin and I are really proud of the time and the work and the community that we built here on the Fan Morning Show. But tomorrow will be our last show here in the morning. We'll have two new guests uh, two more, two new hosts, sorry, mm-hmm. and there will be guests on our show today, uh, Brent Gunning and Ben Ennis, who will chat with them a little later on to get ready to pass the torch. But Justin and I will be hosting a new show on our station called The Fan Pregame. So from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we've completely flipped our schedules and will be a 6 p.m. show every day uh, on the weekdays on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You can also catch it on Sportsnet 360, sometimes on the Sportsnet television network as well mm-hmm. and we're the pregame we're the show that takes you into the night we're the show that gets you hyped up for what's next on the station we recap the biggest stories of the day and we send you on your way into the night so kind of what we do in the morning but now on your drive home so you can find us there starting in a couple weeks at 6 p.m uh, we're really excited for the change but a little bittersweet because we love our morning we love our folks that wake up like right now to listen to us first thing to hear about Boone and the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we will miss everybody, but you can come find us at 6 p.m. Yeah, we have loved it, and we will miss everybody. I, I will not miss a morning like this one, though. Like, I hit a wall sort of exhaustion, <laughs> and that's not the reality. It was like waking up this morning. I was like, this is tough. This is also the second last time you have to do this. Just get up because you don't want to uh, not show up for one of the final shows uh, for sure. But, yeah, you're right uh, about sort of the concept of what we're doing. We're teeing up the night. It'll be nice to... Uh, mix and mingle with Sportsnet talent that we never, ever see. We get great guests on the show, of course, all the time. But when you're following Kipper and Bourne or Blair and Barker every day, those guys are going to hang around for us, hopefully. We get to learn from them, too. We'll get to mix and mingle with the Hockey Central crew and and everyone who works on Blue Jays broadcasts. Like, it's going to be pretty awesome from that standpoint where we can kind of bridge the gap from... Uh, the day that was on the radio with all our great shows and what a lineup it is mm-hmm. uh, to the night of programming uh, and the live events that we carry 
every night on mm-hmm. this uh, or at this uh, network. So, yeah, we're really, really excited about it. It's been pretty cool. And, of course, in addition to the fan pregame, we are handling pregame and intermissions for the Leafs. 41 times this year. We're so night owls now, folks. We're night owls now. We got we to gotta change everything. And uh, yeah, that means no more wake-ups, which is great. We went from early birds to night owls. Uh, a nice lifestyle change, a different world that, that for us. Was, that, was the, the, that was the tweet. We were like Ugh. agonizing over how we were going to... AM to PM was good too. AM to PM's good. I mean, it's pretty simple, but the early bird to night owl is very good. So Monday, Brent, Brent Gunning and Ben Ennis, we're trying to figure out if it's... Enning or Gunnis? I think it's Gunnis. I think Gunnis. I think it's Gunnis. Gunnis. I wonder if they're going to have like a full out brawl for the chair, your chair. The chair is always fought over when there's like a a bit of a different feel here when it's not me and you. There's always two people with eyes on that chair. (laughs) I wonder if they're going to be scrapping it out. We'll ask them later. Yes. So Monday morning we'll be there for a show. Uh, Stay tuned for ours. I believe we're looking at the October 10th start date, but lots of Blue Jays baseball to be played down the road here. We'll give you the full lineup now. Um, Not all of it starts on Monday, but our fall programming will look like the Fan Morning Show with Ben Ennis and Brent Gunning from 6 to 9 a.m., same slot as always, just two different voices. The J.D. Bunkus podcast will go back to two hours, so 9 to 11 a.m. Blair and Barker will be 11 to 12 p.m. Through until the end of the World Series. Until the end of the World Series. And then the fan check down, which you know of Donovan Bennett and Matt Marchese, will fill that slot once the World Series is over. Jeff Merrick show returns quite soon. He will also be on our show today. Uh, from 12 to 2 p.m., the Raptors show goes back to two hours, and they will add Blake Murphy full-time. So 2 to 4 p.m. with Will Lou, Blake Murphy, and Alex Wong, and we'll have Blake Murphy on our show today as well. Mm-hmm. One extra hour, with him. one extra Murphy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Real Kipper and Borden will shift to the 4 to 6 p.m. slot. Uh, they have a national hour at 5 p.m. as well. That'll be across the network, and they're also on 360 and sometimes on the TV network as well. And the fan pregame, that's us, will be from 6 to 7 p.m. And we'll tee up everything for the evening ahead. So not everything starts Monday. You can take a look at the Sportsnet 590 Twitter page where it gives a little bit of estimated start dates. But as we said, Blue Jays will still be playing some baseball. So they're not getting rid of Jays stuff until the Blue Jays do not play baseball anymore. So don't worry about that being an issue. Uh, you'll still have your Blue Jays shows, hopefully for a lengthy run here, because Blue Jays got another win last night. Yeah, yeah, the, the lowly Yankees. <laughs> yeah, just quickly on the lineup, it's it's about serving the audience, and right now it's a Blue Jays audience. Of course, that will be transitioning into a hockey audience and a mm-hmm. Raptors audience, and uh, you know we will transition with the seasons, the sports seasons uh, at Sportsnet five ninety. Speaking of, isn't today the first day of fall? Uh, twenty one sounds about right for a change in season. Or was he, uh, it? Might have been yesterday. Oh, Either it might way, be Saturday. Saturday, but either way, right? it's, we're on the cusp, folks. It always feels like it's like June 21. So, yeah, that September seems 21 like, would make sense. Seem, yeah. Anyway, we're right there. The season is changing. I will say, if there was anything good about yesterday's golf round, it was the weather. Maybe the best day of the year. It was stunning. Very, very good. Stunning. Uh, so great day for us. Great day for the station. Great day of golf. Great day for the Blue Jays. Um, another big win last night, but a, t- a little bit of a tight one. Um, they got one run for most of the game, and then the the bullpen for the Yankees was just, oh God, that was embarrassing mm-hmm. to end that game. Uh, but a huge win for the Jays, a 6-1 win for the Jays. Uh, it was a very slow, sleepy game once again at the Bronx. Yankee Stadium with less attendance and less energy than the night before. It's just tough. It's tough to watch. The most exciting thing might have been uh, Boone getting ejected early on in the game because that guy just 
is looking for something to spark his team or he wants a way out of the game as quick yeah, as possible. And I don't, I guess, blame him for that. I wanted to come on here and rip him. And then Lance Barrett continues to just have an awful, awful, awful night. That I'm like, okay, but it does, and this seems anecdotal, but it seems like Aaron Boone's getting kicked out of every game I'm watching when it's the Yankees. Like every time the Yankees are playing, it seems like Aaron Boone he might, is on the He's going to lead stoop. the league in, in ejections, we, but maybe lead we, the we, MLB in all time in ejections yeah, soon. We, we, could, we could check that out to make sure. But it just feels that way. Like, it feels like Aaron Boone is doing the same old thing every time. Uh, and maybe that's, blame him. maybe that's why an umpire comes on and, and wants to be, if, you, if you're an umpire that wants the ump show tag or label, uh, Aaron Boone's the guy that's going to give you that platform because he's going to talk and he's going to talk back. But it wasn't even about Aaron Boone. It was about uh, Lance Barrett. It was just absolutely ridiculous, that strike zone. And I <laughs> I am I am so, uh, like, the, the robot ump is, like, the last thing I want to happen. Maybe not the last thing in sports. But, but how like, do you watch there. that and not I think? Hate, I hate the, uh, the robot ump so much. And my argument is a guy like Kevin Gosman t- can take advantage of, of when it is consistent but wrong, right? Consistent but wrong is an opportunity, I think, for pitchers. And it was an opportunity for two good pitchers last night. Michael King and Kevin Gosman racking up mm-hmm. the strikeouts at a rate that it was like kind of laughable. But even I can't use that example as a good reason to not have robot umps because it was so bad. It was so, so, so bad. And it resulted in a game that was not unwatchable, not uninteresting, but like zero hope for anything exciting happening because... Pitch, pitchers just had to be like six inches off the plate to get strike. I calls. could have got a strike. It's tough yeah. when you're watching a game and you have to, you audibly laugh when I like. There was multiple times where a pitch was called a strike and I cackled out loud mm-hmm. because I was like, "That's not no, you're joking." And I I understand Aaron Boone getting frustrated. Danielle in my ear just told me that he he's tied this year for the major league league lead lead with seven. I'm like, only seven? Only seven is ridiculous to me. I feel like I've seen all seven. You probably have because they end up being highlights. Because if he's getting ejected, he's going to do it. He's getting his money's worth, right? He's not just like throwing an F-bomb and walking off the field. He's getting in the umpire's face. Maybe the most demonstrative. Probably at least a minimum average of 60 seconds to a minute and a half. And he's got the arms going. He's got the technique down. Arms, face, swearing. He's up close to the ump's face, but close enough that he's not spitting in the ump's face because I feel like that's what set him over the edge. He's close. The, there's he, the energy he, between him and the ump. And he does feel like he's actually like communicating a message. Like oh, Normally it's just like this guy's just screaming nonsense, but it actually feels like Aaron Boone is saying had, something input like, for him. Like He's stringing real sentences together is <laughs> what you can gather from it. <laughs> Anyway, I don't blame him. I mean, he wanted to get out of there as soon as possible, um, and it was worth it. But, yes, Michael King and Kevin Gosman, strikeout machines. Between the two of them, 23 strikeouts with six and seven innings pitched between the two pitchers. Uh, Michael King, I know they're talking about on the broadcast, like kind of vying for a starting pitching role. I mean, hand it to him. He looked pretty dialed. His it's one of the few things I think you get excited about. I think if you're a Yankees fan, right fan you saw Michael King and his starts uh, throughout the stretch here in the season when there's not much else going on for that team and I think you might have found a starting pitcher for yourselves next year. Kevin Gosman started out a bit sketchy though and I was thinking of you because I know we've been putting Kevin Gosman in a little bit of like not a concern index but we've had this conversation after the last we couple. We got an eye on him. Watch yes, the eye there on Kevin you go. Gosman. The last couple of Kevin Gosman starts we've certainly been interested in the direction that he's going. In that first inning, 
I think it was two walks already. He, he couldn't hit the strike zone. Well, the strike zone was big, and he still couldn't hit it. Um, the evolving strike zone, let's say that. Mm. Uh, but still ends up finding a way to have a scoreless go there. Six innings pitch, three hits, 10 Ks, and three walks, uh, 63 strikes on 104 pitches. That's a, that's your guy, right? He found a way through that first inning, uh, three walks. I know his last time out, he had his most ever walks. I believe it was six, his last outing. So found a way to get through that first inning, reel it in and have a really good showing. And that's kind of the Kevin Gosman that we expect. That's the Kevin Gosman we hope down the stretch, especially if he's lined up to uh, pitch that final game of the season and the Blue Jays don't need to play for anything. You hope he gets an extra little bit of rest and then they help get him into a good spot for the wild card series. But my concern around Kevin Gosman was alleviated a bit after the way he bounced back from a, a first inning that gave a little bit of concern. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, how much does that outing shape your opinion, I guess, is up to, uh, you know, the uh, each and every fan, right? Because that is a non-competitive team uh, mm-hmm. by at least a Yankee standard, yes. uh, non-competitive lineup, at least by a Yankee standard. And of course, he was definitely assisted by the umpire who decided to give him a lot of uh, called strikes Mm -hmm. uh, when a robot up, we'll just say that, uh, wouldn't be giving or wouldn't be as lenient. Would have been a different game. (laughs) However, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, like uh, part of pitching and part of the art of pitching is understanding the situation and continuing to do what works or manipulate the zone, manipulate batters, manipulate umpires, whatever, and you can't really argue with results. So it was a good outing. It was a great outing for uh, Kevin Gosman. Um, but outings like that are not the ones we're going to see when it matters the most. Lineups like that are not what we're going to see when it matters the most. Umpires, hopefully, like that are not what we're going <laughs> to see when it matters most. So it was a bit of a, it was, it was, it, it wasn't like a dress rehearsal. Like take it, it with a grain of salt. How about yeah, that? Ex- that's exactly how how it should be put. Like it was a good result. It was what you want out of Kevin Gosman. Is it evidence that he's the dominant pitcher late in the season that's going to blow everyone away when and if uh, he gets the ball in game one of a playoff wildcard series? Uh, I don't I don't know if it was that, but it was a good outing from Kevin Gosman, and that's far better than the alternative. Did what he needed to do. Um, that's what's going to happen down the stretch. Blue Jays need to win games before going into last night's game. They had to win in order to stay in a playoff position because all the other teams that they're going up against won all their games yesterday. So it's going to be like that. I keep I keep getting reminded. Like, I heard that. I think I, Dan Schulman probably said it on the broadcast. And I'm like, we're just talking today about the third best record in the American League. And I know that was like self-serving, mm-hmm. cherry-picking a stat or a record or a situation mm-hmm. because, you know, you're trying to contra- contrast it to last week. But it is still flimsy despite the record being what it is, the position being what it was, and how things had changed. It's still, you, they still have to be great. And it, it, of course, they get a lot of help with Seattle and Texas going at it. Like they can't both They're win those They're opening that three-game series tomorrow and night. And then they play another four. Like they, they exclusively play good. each other, at least it seems. But the, the task was pretty simple for the Jays with five series left if you want to go back to Boston coming out of Texas. Pretty much had to win every series mm-hmm. or average a win in every series. 10 wins from 15 games is kind of what they needed to do. Well, they've won the first five. Going five and five down the stretch gets it done, I think, without really any concern. Uh, And winning every series or being on average winning every series while they're in a position where they've already 
you know, they're already halfway there. Uh, you sweep the Red Sox. That means you can lose a series. You've now won this series against mm-hmm. the Yankees, which means I guess you can afford a loss to Garrett Cole later today mm-hmm. if that, in fact, happens. Like, they've put themselves in a really good spot, um, but the other teams keep winning as well, and that's why the distance that they want and need to create from themselves isn't quite there yet, but will get easier to maintain if they can continue to win ball games. Seattle and Texas play each other seven times during the final two weeks this season. Last night, Mariners, Rangers, and Blue Jays all picked up wins. So, as we said, not a lot of shifting, but tonight, Garrett Cole and Jose Barrios on the mound. As you mentioned, it's a little bit of a different opponent. I mean, Michael King was pretty good. I'll give him credit, but it's Garrett Cole, you know, AL Cy Young lock. It feels like uh, yep. 281 ERA, 208 strikeouts this season, a 13 to four record. He's been one of the bright stars on the Yankees roster, uh, which is not saying too much, but still having one of his best years as a starting pitcher. So tonight will be different. Tonight will be a harder challenge and they might be without Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which was a bit surprising because yesterday Justin guaranteed us on the fan morning show. I didn't guarantee that seems uh, like I'm a paraphrasing sure a little bit. I'm guaranteed it at 6, 10 a.m. and said, uh, I, mean, I, I guarantee that Vladdy will be in the lineup tonight. Uh, and I, I said, okay, yeah, maybe. I, mean, uh, probably, yeah, I expected sure. someone with like a little bit of a limp to play in a, in a massive, massive game for the Toronto Blue Jays. Not, I mean, I guess I'm diminishing the injury just He's a little bit. He's going to get bit. an MRI. Yeah, maybe it's something to be a little bit more concerned about, but they throw MRIs around in professional sports like you can get uh, like an MRI candy, right? in. Uh, do you know how there's a lineup for everyone else in the world to get an MRI? Do, you could just there are no bl- lineups. If you're you blink athlete. your eyes and you say, "I'd like a MRI in the next ten seconds," and they say, "Here we go. We got a, a machine underneath the table." Alec Manoa wasn't hurt, but how many MRIs did he have done? He had a couple. Uh, we at least think it's like Oprah. You get an MRI. <laughs> you get an MRI. Well, yeah. Vladdy's getting yeah. an MRI. So yeah. those three letters don't necessarily scare me. It's more like, okay, what's going on here, Vlad? Yeah. I mean, you're you're in a little bit of pain. Uh, you were able to play through it. You've been dealing it for a while, but I guess it finally did result in mm-hmm. him sitting down uh, in again an important spot. So I guess it's a little bit more serious than than I uh, envisioned, or they just realized. Uh, yeah, we could probably get this one done without Vladdy, and they did with Kevin Gosman on the bump. Uh, but yeah, I guess precaution is an important thing, but it's mm-hmm. something you got to balance with the urgency of this last stretch for the Blue Jays, where they got to win games. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. We'll see. We'll see with Vladdy. Yeah, uh, they, we'll they're going today. to need him despite uh, the assertions that mm-hmm. he may not be who we thought he was, or he may not even be an above average three or four hitter uh, for this team. Uh, the fact of the matter is you look at the lineup last night and you're moving Kevin Biggio up even more in the lineup. He might be and, lead off by tonight. And, and, <laughs> and then the, everybody will be having an MRI if we get to that point, because you'll be uh, really low on options if you're John Schneider, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, they're going to need him at least at Certainly. the bare minimum as a presence, because he does make the lineup look at least on paper, a lot better. So Vladdy was doing his pregame hitting routine where he did not feel right, leading to the scratch pretty late in the uh, in the evening. Went for an MRI on his knee, waiting results. We should get them today. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed like it might have been something that built up a little bit. Felt like it wasn't right. Good for you for not pushing it against you know, the Yankees when you said, like, you know, there might be tougher competition down the road and bigger games to play for. So hopefully we get some good... Vladdy news, uh, but that's to come. No guarantees from me. Yeah, don't guarantee anything. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on in the show. We'll tee that up in the wake and rake, uh, but it will be Garrett Cole on the mound versus Jose Barrio. So it'll be a great pitching matchup tonight. Okay. Uh, 
That's your Blue Jays update. Let's shift to the Maple Leafs because we teed this up yesterday as well that the Leafs had their media day, which was full of lots of clips and audio and chats and podium experiences for many of the Maple Leaf faces that we know. Riley, Matthews, Tavares, Marner were the only ones available on Wednesday. We did hear from Trey Living and Sheldon Keefe. Um, a full day of chatting about what's up, what happened, what'd you do this summer? What's up? What's up? Uh, it was a little bit more restrained, though. I mean, these things can go in the, like very chaotic ways as well, where it's like, hey, we're going to have 14 players available today, and we'll, we have no idea when they're going to emerge from the massage table, but they'll be here eventually, and we'll talk to, you know, coach and GM, and maybe president will stop by. Like, it could be just like a complete buffet of interviews, but we were limited to four yesterday, which was interesting. And the most interesting about thing about that was the fact that uh, the guy that everyone wanted to hear from mm-hmm. was not made available. Now, I don't know if there's grand conspiracy here, like they're hiding William Nylander. I mean, it could have been really easy to say, Willie, you're on the podium. The first question Let's from, get this who- over with. from whoever gets their hand up first and presses the little button gets an opportunity. Well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Like a little- they should have a button <laughs> where should. it's like, they beep, I'm next. Anyway, whoever yeah. got their hand up first could have just said, hey, Willie, you know, I know you're into a big contract year. Like, what are the discussions like? Um, you know, where's the divide? You can go, you know, I appreciate the question. Uh, I don't want to talk about this all season long, so I'll just I'll address it right now. We're looking forward to, to trying to make this work. I love my time in Toronto. I'm looking forward to making this one of my best seasons yet as Maple Leaf. Boom. Done. Yeah, it's not hard. Uh, I did it. And maybe my only, like, really justification for it, uh, unless it's just like, hey, this is how we do things. Any any media day with Bradshaw Living is going to be four maximum, and I guess the four, that uh, wouldn't be the four most requested because I'm sure William Nylander would have been mm-hmm. in the top four in terms of requested, but at least these are the four faces of the franchise. These are the captains and the leadership mm-hmm. four, I guess. That, that's how you do it if you're a Trill Living run franchise, and maybe that's okay. No problem. But, sure. like, why drag it on an extra day? Yeah, it's 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 a quantity thing. Like we're going to be talking about it more because it was stretched out. Like we have William Nylander content to talk about today, and William Nylander's likely going to talk today, so we'll talk about him again tomorrow. Like it, it's two for one when it could have just been probably over in one shot. Uh, but again, I, I, that's not even the most interesting William Nylander thing. Uh, the potential for a lineup or a positional change <laughs> is the most interesting William Nylander nugget and. Maybe they wanted to hear everybody else talk about it before William Nylander is asking. So Elliot Freeman did tease this in his 32 Thoughts column. I believe it was the night before uh, yesterday's media availability. And obviously that gave reporters a good opportunity to ask about Nylander down the middle. And we do have a clip here of Brad Trey Living um, talking about what he learned about William Nylander first. But he does mention in, in, in other conversations that he's thinking of putting him on center this upcoming year. But the, and it was, uh, he wasn't thinking about it. Trey Living puts the idea yeah. in his head, and Trey Living apparently wants him to play he's, center. Trey Living wants him to play center. Keith's on board with it. Today you'll see lineups, and he'll be playing center. We'll get into that. But we'll play the first clip about Trey Living on what he learned about Nylander throughout this whole process uh, and that he might be a super cool cat. He is a cool cat. Now <laughs> <laughs> He, you know... He's a he's a really neat kid. Like I've really I spent a lot of time with him. He's a he's a he's a and he, I think you see this a lot of time. I think I think again. I and I've repeated this, and I'll be able to stop soon because now I'm going to have some inside views. But I've always had the outside view, um, and I always thought there's not a lot that bothers this guy. And when you get to know him, there's not a lot that bothers this guy. And uh, I think he's got a. It, it can it can be misinterpreted 
this guy really does care. Like, he cares about having success. He cares about being a really good player. He works at his craft that I don't think... I certainly probably didn't have that perception how 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 driven he is. Um, I've really enjoyed my time with Willie. He's a he's a great kid. The flattery phase, right? Have you ever been called a neat kid? Uh, You're a neat kid. It probably wasn't a compliment. Neat. If, if and when it neat-o. happened. Neato. Neato. Yeah. I, let, 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 it's just a, it's just a, a, I don't know. Neat. It's a funny. It's a funny thing <laughs> yeah, to describe someone. It's as, not. But he's a cool cat. Uh, I don't want to call uh, uh, Brad Shaw living well, a boomer, cool. but I guess he. It's it would boomer. be. It would be of that age. Uh, yeah. I mean, if uh, were they like, hey, let's 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 come out all in support of William Nylander to try and control the message a little bit, and that's why he's talking to more. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but I think they're part of the assignment yesterday for everyone that spoke was like yeah we're this is not a like let's pump the brakes a little bit it's not like the sky is falling because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a contract he he is this to us and he means that and he works like all of it was flattery and i think all of it is true i mean i do think he's misunderstood in a way i do think he's a bit of a cool cat sometimes where it's like, oh, why doesn't that bother you more? Why doesn't it mean more to you? Or why don't you show that it means more to you? Well, that's just William Nylander. And I think Brad Living has learned that for himself. Mm-hmm. But that's also something, if you've been around this market and around this team, I think you know to a certain extent as well. Uh, I, I think those were all truths, right? Like that's what we know about William Nylander. And that's, I guess, a little bit of the scary thing. But it's also the thing that makes him... Unique. It makes him William Nylander and makes it so where it's like, I'm not freaking out because that's what William Nylander's always been about. He He's not all that worried or concerned about everything that's going on. He's going to let the conversation just fly over his head a little bit. And I think that can be a good quality for a player that's playing in a Toronto market. Speed a cool cat, a leopard doesn't change its spots. Wow. I think that that's going to be the way that William Nylander approaches this year. That's the sort of thing you got to bring to the fan pregame as well. That's- <laughs> and when he does eventually talk on the podium, that's going to be the vibe. So I think truly it's almost like let's just park this conversation to move on. And the big thing is William Nylander will be starting this role in this upcoming season in training camp when they have lines today and everybody starts freaking out. He will be on the third line center, uh, whether you see them as like a second, third, whatever. The third line center uh, looks like he might be paired up with Domi and Yarncroke. And this is uh, Luke Fox saying like this is a very early look at what the Leafs might do tomorrow. Might do, yeah. Might do. So... Yarncroke down the middle would be Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, and Camp as your center depth. And that is... It's pretty elite. It's uh, a a superstar on the ice 80% of the time. It's balanced in terms of goal scoring ability, superstar dumb, wherever you want to put those guys in. And I mean, I'm actually excited for it. I want to see like he was drafted as a center, right? He played a lot of time as a a Swedish elite. Like when he played for Sweden, he was a center. He's got some time as a center. This isn't random. Most elite players that come up, not not most. That's that's not completely fair. But a a guy like William Nylander, unsurprisingly, grew up playing center. He's played center. This isn't some random thing like Mitch Marner on D. This is a a thing that goes back to when Brad Trey Living has seen a younger William Nylander, when people have seen him in a, in a role before he was in the NHL, and we've seen it before, like, slightly, uh, with William Nylander center. But, 
I mean, this is what you kind of do in training camp, right? This isn't the game, game one of the NHL season. This is what you learn about. You learn about players. You learn about chemistry. You learn about people that are going to surprise you and people that are going to fall off the radar. Radar, And I think that William Nylander starting at center tomorrow, whether he does it for the entire camp, whether he does it for a couple of days and then shifts to the wing, gives the Maple Leafs a lot of flexibility, a lot of op- options, and I'm I'm actually really intrigued to see how this goes, and I'm not viewing it as a negative whatsoever. I think that as long as he isn't viewing it as a demotion because he's moving down a line, I think it's giving him a better opportunity in a contract year to show that he's more than just a winger. Yeah, I, I do think it's very interesting from that standpoint. Uh, William Nylander on a third line is not going to be defined as a checking line by any stretch of no. the imagination, uh, of course. Um, but when you stack together superstar players, there's a good opportunity that it's like a bonanza of points. And that's the thing that is used to negotiate in contracts more than anything. Like if he runs a positive, a 55% Corsi four, but can only outscore the competition mildly because, you know, he's playing with a couple guys that don't have the ability to put the puck in the net and Yarn Croak and Domi would have that ability. But let's say it's a productive line, but not a line that's scoring at an astronomical level or at a level that he would be accustomed to. I mean, it's going to hurt the negotiation tactics uh, for a William Nylander. That said, it could go the other way where all of a sudden the third line with Nylander centered it is way outperforming John Tavares and maybe John Tavares mm-hmm. is centering a quote-unquote, checking line uh, in the future, and he gives himself more bargaining powder, power, power, excuse me, because he can look at it and say, well, I now play a more premium position, and guess what? I was just as or more productive. So I do think it's something that affects it, which is interesting in terms of, like, how William Nylander will accept this challenge, but according to Sheldon Keefe and Bradshaw Living, he's he can do anything, and he's ready, and he's fired up and ready to go, and that's William Nylander. As much as it's like, hey, I want to... I don't want to accept this contract right now or what the the offer is right now. I want to continue to find myself. It's not like he's risk averse. Like mm-hmm. he's just whatever. I'm he's supremely confident in himself and I think he can play and thinks he can play the centerized uh position even on a third line to great effect. Uh I, and one other thing it does is it breaks up the thing that hasn't worked for so long. Neilander which is Tavares. And John Tavares mm-hmm. like it, 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 they've been dancing around this issue forever for multiple seasons. And they've seasons. plugged it in and tried they've, it again, and, and they've, they've had to go it. back. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they just—it's constant over and over again. A, a, a new lineup—is this going to work? No, it doesn't work. They don't seem to mesh the way you'd want them to, and it's forced, you know, Austin Matthews to play with William Nylander and Mitch Marner to play with John Tavares. Like they've always had to do this. They've been doing it forever. And if they just play on different lines or center different lines, maybe it's better apart and they can both be as productive as they need to be without having to worry about why their chemistry has just never been there. I'm excited to watch it. I think there's a lot of ways this can be a positive shift for the Maple Leafs and really for William Nylander. It's all how he approaches it. And I think that he seems like a cool cat that wants a challenge and wants to help this team. I will say based on the lines quickly uh, with Nylander playing center, and this is again, Luke Fox is just sort of projecting what it would look like. Mm-hmm. But Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner, pretty good first line. I think you're really, really excited about that. Yarn Croak, Nylander, Domi is like, wow, that's uh, <laughs> third line. That's pretty good. And maybe mm-hmm. William Nylander can be um, uh, incredibly productive from that spot. But that second line, Matthew Nyes, John Tavares, Sam Lafferty. 
I don't know if I'm like. I was surprised to see Sam Lafferty with those two. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, not, I got, not I got a, a lot of confidence in Matthew Nyes, but I don't know if that's going to look like a dominant force, either defensively, offensively, in any way, really. It's like, kind of like a misfit right now. A it's, a, it's a misfit it's a second misfit line, line with John Tavares, and it puts a lot of pressure on him being dominant mm-hmm. without any play driving help yet. I mean, Nice can be that guy maybe, but like it's going to fall step. on the shoulders of John Tavares for that second line to be good. And right now that looks a little thin all of a sudden reorganized in that way. Those are our potential line combinations. Day one of actual training camp. Uh, everybody can get all excited and panicked when things get shifted around. Ev- uh, evidently by Sheldon Keefe, who likes to do that a lot. Um, okay, so opportunity to see Trey Living for a little bit more on a podium. Get to hear from him when it wasn't reactionary to a contract or a signing. Um, I really like the way he carries himself. I'm excited for the Trey Living era. I think he's... It's impressive. He's, he's an impressive guy. He's eloquent. He's very thought, uh, thorough and thoughtful about what he has to say. Um, not that this is anything about Kyle Dubas. This is a new era. So we're looking at who's going to lead this Maple Leafs team. It seems like he puts a lot of attention to detail and the decisions he makes and what he says to the media. And the way he respects his players. I feel like there's a really good relationship already building. Every player was asked about the transition. Like, that's difficult. A lot of the players that spoke in the leadership group yesterday were all Kyle Dubas guys. Kyle Dubas helped get them there. Kyle Dubas helped mesh them into the player they are. Like, they have a lot to owe and to respect for Kyle Dubas. So this transitional period, it's hard for anyone. Whether you loved Kyle Dubas or not, he was the voice. He was the leader of this team for a long time. And he was revered. And he and he really was. So a lot of the players were asked about their relationship. And, you know, they said good things about Kyle Dubas, but said great things about the Trey Living era, how it started, how he's reached out to them, how he's helped make this transition smooth. And, I mean, yeah, you're going to get that on the podium. No one's going to be like, ah, you know what, it's actually been kind of crappy. But I really believed it. I think that this guy seems like the right fit right now for this team. Um, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I know you don't usually get a lot from these preseason mm-hmm. podiums. Like sometimes they feel like oh, you're asking the same questions, you get the same answers, but I feel like I'm in a good point of confidence at this, at this moment. Yeah. He was entering a tricky spot, right? Like again, everyone inside this organization and it's, I guess easy when he handpicked most of the people and he showed a, an unbelievable level of dedication to the people who he was working with, but they all loved Kyle Dubas at a degree where it was probably very, very shocking. And Austin Matthews admitted that it was shocking what happened and, mm-hmm. and saw it all go down. So it's not an easy spot to just walk into a new place where you're the replacement for someone that everybody loved, right? Like and, that's it was, the, and it was like very questionable what the situation was with everybody else that worked at MLSE in that moment too. Like you had, yeah. you had to like repair relationships that you had nothing to do with. People thought maybe I don't want to work here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that is chaos. And it seems like the waters have settled. Yeah. And and I think that is a credit to Treliving. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it's, I, I don't think anyone can come in and suddenly have command of the room like he has. And again, we're only seeing... It's like an Instagram account of someone's life. Like, we're only seeing the best stuff. Like, that was the best quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If someone had something bad to say, they were not going to say it. And if someone really had something bad to say, they probably wouldn't be presented uh, to the media like they were. Uh, These, they have things on lock. The PR team works very, very diligently, of course. But it's easy to say nothing by saying something nice, too, right? It's easy to be like, yeah, it's been a really great, I love trailer. And everything seemed very genuine yesterday, right? That's Uh, that's the difference to me. So I, I do think the way that the handover has happened has been professional and not unique to Brad for living, but I, I don't know if how many people can make it look and feel like it has. So I, I just, I, I think that's a credit to him. Mm-hmm. 
I do think he's learning already because the Toronto market will grab onto things and latch onto things. Uh, and you know, he already seems he already regrets the word snot. I wonder. I thought it was kind of funny, said. like, but he was joking. He a was being bit, a little. Yeah. But uh, but I also think uh, he wouldn't say this. But maybe he regrets the comment about Reeves in the room because mm. we all clung on to that. And, and everybody was asked, asked about it. Everyone's being asked. Like, is it, were you in a bad room, Morgan Riley? Like Quiet that, room. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's how it's going to be. And I, I think he was careful with his words, probably based on that to a slight degree, because he didn't want to share an identity. He's like, I'm keeping, mm-hmm. the, you're keeping that to yourself. Uh, because if you placed an identity on this team... It's going to be a compared to what Kyle Dubas's team identity was, I guess. But also, you have to be held to that standard now, and that's why people and athletes and executives are reluctant to give information sometimes because it will be taken as gospel and it will be shoved back in your face if, for by whatever mm-hmm. reason, let's say the identity was this. If you're not that, then you're going to be called on it and questioned, and it's going to be something used against you. So I do think he handled himself really good, and I have already think he's learned something about the job and applied it, which I guess is a good thing, and I maybe have given him too much credit for that because that's not rocket science by any means. But <laughs> I think he was purposeful with his words and purposeful with what he wanted to share, and that's just a sign of someone who knows what they're doing, at least in my mind. Pretty much everything you would have wanted from a media day Besides William Nylander, you got the guys feel like they're in the best shape of their life. They're excited for this upcoming season. They love the transition to the new GM. They're excited to have a head coach that they like and that is comfortable and has a contract now. So you can shut up about being a lame duck coach. Everyone's excited. They want to win the Stanley Cup. They know they're a great team. They've got a lot of young talent, which I also thought was interesting. Brad J. Living has like a separate training camp for some of the young, young guys that they're trying to like get up in the system. Great to see more focus on development. I mean, I don't know what else you'll have wanting other than Nylander to say, yeah, actually, I'm signing a contract tomorrow, so stay tuned. So everything was peachy and great, and that's not unlike every Leafs media availability at the start of a season. The difference is every Leafs availability at the end of the season has been disappointing. It has been we fell short on our goal. Last year, we made it to the second round, and we fell short on our goal. And, you know, this offseason, we got to focus on getting better. And now this is part two of that press conference is now we're back on the podium after a summer where we worked our butts off and we're ready to do something different this year. So, you know, you can say all the right things, you get great media training, but the real work begins tomorrow mm-hmm. today at this point and put it into practice because how many times have we probably come on here? The people before us, anyone at our station said, wow, that media available was good. Like feel good about this team. Yeah. Kyle Dubas hit out of the park a bunch of times. It never resulted in anything, right? And so let's see some results. I, I do like uh, one good thing about just change is that like biases are eliminated. And, and one thing I liked about like what he was talking about, and you alluded to it a bit with like yeah, different training camps and like maybe there's like a like a ladder process mm-hmm. where you have to. It's a meritocracy again, right? Like because when you're Kyle Dubas, you handpick every free agent, you handpick every trade or every player acquired through trade. All the players were yours. All your biases are in play at all times, and there might be blind spots with that. And one of the big things with Trey Living, he said over and over again, is like, I don't know. I need the inside view is, I think, how he put it. Mm-hmm. He had the outside view, and now he's getting the inside view, and he can actually make decisions. And I feel like that will open the door or at least the possibility of new development. 
I, and I, 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 not the development in terms of like, hey, this player is going to be far better. No, it's just like something new could emerge, a new storyline because you're not closed off to it. I'm not saying Kyle Dubas was closed by it by any by any means, but we all have that. We all have preconceived notions, and a new guy coming in to a team that's really, really talented with no preconceived notions. I don't know. Maybe we learned something that we wouldn't have otherwise. As Taylor Swift says, to a blank space, a blank space. <laughs> I'm going to have more Taylor Swift for us okay. later. All right. Um, okay. Uh, one other thing that we needed to just. And like, he'll write your name. Oh, there you go. Justin, you're Swift. Thank you. Swifty. Thank you. Okay. Uh, wow. Two tidbits. A little late. Little two late. tidbits that we're going late. to share. Uh, just, you know, housekeeping. And uh, a little bit worrisome is Brad Trey Living said, first of all, Jake Muzzin will not play this year, which I think we all understood. And also that Matt Murray is also not going to play this year, but he'll be undergoing a significant surgery, uh, details not disclosed, and will be out for months. Not sure what that means, but anytime someone is going a significant major surgery, you just hope that everything's going on. It's going to be okay for him. So that's your update on yeah. the two LTIR guys. It was an interesting line of questioning with Murray. It's an interesting situation because he said he was ready and all of a sudden he wasn't, goes on LTIR successfully. And is getting a major And it's not a surgery. new thing, but it's major. And Bradshaw Living didn't really, wasn't able to provide specific. The most important thing, and this sounds callous, is that Matt Murray's on LTIR for the success of the Toronto Maple Leafs, yes. clearly. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully it's something that's just structural and you can rebound from. Hopefully he plays in the NHL again one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's just something is being guarded here, I guess. It just feels like, right? Like we're not going to know and maybe we shouldn't know and we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, opportunity for one more thing before we take a break. You want to do Messi and TFC or Stamkos? Both. Are chewable, but I think Stamkos is more of a chew. So maybe okay. we'll save that we'll for seven. Stamkos for the chew, but uh, Messi played yesterday against TFC. Did de- we? Wow, did that? I de- mean, that's a failure on our part, our part just a little There's bit. There's a lot going on in There's Blue Jays' world on. and Leafs' world, but uh, TFC played against Messi last night, and we might have we might have injured Messi, folks. Boy, does that say something about TFC? Where even Messi can't get us headlines. to like want to see this team in any. Fashion. I did not see, and yeah, this is probably a me problem too, but I did not see anyone talking about it, sharing it, or getting excited for it. Well, because they probably were going to get pumped. We knew that. But uh, Massey played against TFC yesterday in Miami and did leave with a leg injury. So, ah, God, like it's a tough look for us. Uh, sat out back-to-back games, um, with one with Inter-Miami, one with Argentina. Made his return to the pitch on Wednesday. Subbed off in the 37th minute after spending some time like laboring with what looked like to be a leg issue. And that's not good. Yeah, probably should have went the Vladdy route against lowly TFC. Like you probably didn't need yeah. to squeeze him in. It's not like uh, Toronto fans, well, they were probably clamoring for the opportunity to see Messi, but it's not like you held him out in New York City, a big marketing opportunity mm-hmm. for for the league or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this was kind of my, cons- not my concern, I guess, but like, it felt like Messi for about a month was playing every three days. And like scoring every game. And it was just like every time out there he was, you know, he was being a professional athlete, which he is. 
Uh, but it just felt like the load was pretty high on this guy, and that happens when you're playing a lot of soccer. They and still you're won an four older nothing, guy, and they still won four nothing, and didn't need Leo Messi. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. he's all right. Uh, but it was probably a reminder for people who are rushing to bet Inter Miami to win the MLS Cup when they were second to last and basically had to win every game in a condensed schedule because they played so much. Uh, in like the League's Cup, I believe it was mm-hmm. called, in another mm-hmm. in-season tournament, that it was going to be tough for a guy of his age to play, what, 12 matches in a month and get to the finish line and win every yes. game and have no issue? Like, it's just a bit of a fairy tale world that it would have resulted that way. Load management probably needs to apply for Messi at the MLS level in some sort of way. Yeah, Inter-Miami head coach just kind of downplayed it and said that the was an old injury that was bothering him and uh, safe to be safe and they'll just let him sit for a little bit. But the reason I knew that TFC was playing messy is I got a breaking news alert on my phone. Sportsnet. It was like breaking news. Messi leaves game against TFC due to injury. And I was like, what is going on here? And then yeah. I think we were just a little excited. Um, but hopefully all the best for Messi. We don't need that to be a career-ending thing. Yeah, okay. no, I don't think so. Uh, we'll save the Stamkos chew because it's a... It's that a, is chewy. It's a chewy one. We'll save that for um, after Jeff Merrick. But let's take a break. We'll do the A-list. Jeff Merrick at 7 a.m. Aaron Ambrose, newest uh, draft pick for the Montreal franchise in the PWHL will join after Jeff. Blake Murphy will come in studio at 8 a.m. talk about his new opportunity with the Raptors show and get through some Blue Jays talk with him. And then Ben Ennis and Brent Gunning, your hosts of the new Fan Morning Show starting Monday, will wrap up our show on our penultimate Fan Morning Show. Gunness or Enning? It's our last baby Friday, Justin. It is. Let's make it good. A-list after the break. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now, it's time for hey, the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. A lot of support for me using the word penultimate at the end of that last block. It is an elite word. If you can use penultimate once, twice a year, you're in a good spot. It's a, it's a, it's a it's an elite word. And there are a lot of opportunities, but the key is making making it's uh, impactful yeah hitting those opportunities the right way because there are a lot of second last things in your lifetime in your day-to-day Oof, it's depressing and this is the pentultimate show yeah just quickly because i think some people missed our six o'clock opening uh you will hear from your new hosts of the fan morning show ben ennis and brent gunning who will join us at the end of this show we will be moving to a 6 p.m slot called the fan pregame uh chatted about that we have a new lineup for the sportsnet 590 station and that begins with monday's transition so today is our penultimate oh i just got nervous emotional penultimate day it's Um, not easy yeah don't don't push it um so for our second to last a list an update on the story that everyone's talking about travis kelsey and taylor swift now i know i brought it up last week because Jason Kelsey was talking about, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not going to comment on the relationship status with Jason. They're, uh, with, they're milking the oh, is oh, he, isn't this, he? This is like their whole, their whole shtick now. But mm. he was playing coy. Yesterday, though, he went on WIP Morning Show and listened to what he, he, he confirms that they're dating. Listen to this. By the way, how are they doing? How are those two doing? How does love? No, that's all right. <laughs> hey, yeah. I um, 
Jason, I, you, know, I you know everything. Know. Everything you say gets quoted on these days. You know that, right? <laughs> I know. I get it, and that's the way the world works. And um, got, Tony kind of blindsided me with that question on Thursday night, and I, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's hard to answer because I don't really know a lot about what's happening in Travis's love life, and I try to like keep, uh, you know, you know, his business kind of his business sure. and, and stay out of that world. Uh, you know, but having said that, man, I I I, I think he's doing great, and I think it's all 100 percent true, and I hope that this soon goes. <gasps> I'm joking. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> good, wow, good for them, Jason. Good, good for them, man. That's that's excellent. There you go, TMZ. Who WIP morning shoot show got it first? Uh, but there you go. We never had anything 100% like that. 100 percent true. If we broke that news. We got five. We got five more hours to try and uh, try to get something that. that spicy. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I guess. I mean, my my take was, wow, you're really like getting listeners on the old podcast. Oh, that thing is by, viral by owning the. Are you or are you not, Travis? But uh, then he just decided to have the biggest reveal, I suppose, Jason, uh, not on his own show. So uh, maybe my my theory is bunk. Do you think she comes to games? Do you think she's up in the box with Brittany Mahomes? Everyone's favorite wife no does she give herself any time no, to she doesn't even really, have truly. like a she's, sunday off she's too famous and too important to be going to chiefs games uh, i mean i'm sure if it's legit and it seems to be legit and it lasts and maybe it'll last despite the others not lasting that we'll see her in a press box or a uh, private box at some point i also saw that kim kardashian is hanging out with odell beckham jr Trying to steal the I spotlight. Like that. You I like, like that, that better? Yeah. That's I'm spicy more, too. I'm more into that than I am the uh, the Kelsey. J- Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift do not seem compatible to me. Oh yeah, because you're a big Swifty. You know all about her. Interests. It's just like it just seems like different people. The thing is, I think Travis Kelsey really likes to have himself in the media and be talked about clearly. And she's pretty quiet in terms of like her relationship status. I know she sings about it. No, hold on. But she's not prancing around. Uh. She was she was quietly dating someone for multiple years. Did you know about that? Exactly. She's been like very well, off I'm the not, radar. I mean, it's not my. Now it's she's not single. My beat. Now she's single, and no, apparently tra- she's not. And Travis Kelsey, you know, shoots a shot, and they're together. But I don't think they're going to be out like strolling hand in hand down Park Avenue. Like she can't even go out in public without the, getting bombarded. Exactly. That's the thing about celebrities, though. Like they could try to be nondescript, and it'll look like, oh, look at them going. On yeah, a stroll. It's secret. Like they're just trying to get groceries. I don't know if we're at that point yet, but anyway, Gro- the grocery point. That's your final that's update that's on a big relationship. the relationship status Let's go of get those groceries two. Groceries together. That's it. That's it. You have to get your own information on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, Gunnis might have you. Gunnis. All right, let's take a break. Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and host of Thirty Two Thoughts Podcast. I haven't chatted with him all summer long. Let's get an update. What's going on in Jeff Merrick's world? And he's been chatting with some pretty big names over the last little stretch there. Getting some great podcast content for 32 Thoughts. What was the best combo he had? And why is it us in the next five minutes?